0: Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric. With me is my co-host, Ray.
1: Hello. We are not
0: recording on our usual night, so Robert's not going to be able to join us tonight. But we've got lots of news to go over and some key events. And then, brace yourselves, folks, Ray went to a tournament, so we're going to give a full breakdown on how he did. But first, let's get into our Rapid Fire segment of all the latest news from last week. <laughs> That's right. So we start off with uh, so Ray. What are your thoughts on April Fool's pranks?
1: <laughs> um, I'm always for them to an extent, but there's always jokes that go just a little too far.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. I, I always feel either they go too far or they're just plain flat and lame. You know, it's just like oh, okay, you you Saran wrap the toilet. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thanks. You know, it's just like just kind of a waste of time. Um, but I lived in Europe. They had They have a similar holiday, but it's not on April 1st. And you'll see the segue in a second. But they would go extreme. Like, if you didn't know better, they would, like, if you wore a tie to work, they would cut it off, like, literally take a scissor. That was part of the fun. I was like, how was that funny? (laughs) So, anyway, I never quite got it. But, um, so anyway, um, Games Workshop released a preview video, uh, and we've been teased about this all year long that we'd be seeing a codex for an army that was brand new, not just a uh, a update from 8th edition, a brand new army. And they released it, of course, on Friday, which was April 1st. So none of us believed it was real. Turns out it's real. So what do you think?
1: I'm optimistic. So squats... But not squats. Um, they're called the Leagues of Votan. And while I guess in some instances they're called squats, but that's not going to be their official name, uh, even for the race. It, they basically just say that that's what the Necromundans call them. So they've got armor that looks like. Kind of like a mix between guard and space marines. So yeah, yeah somewhere kind, kind of, of in bulky. between.
0: Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of bulky. It has a but it has a very high sci fi look almost. I don't want to say yeah. because it doesn't look anime, but it's definitely not medieval armor with a couple extra hoses and power plants. I mean it's it's yeah. green you know, it's much more high end sci fi.
1: Yeah, so and they they say in the article that the uh, the leagues have emerged with more of their ancient technology intact than how the Imperium did. So whereas the Imperium's kind of backwards, they're kind of mired in their own sort of sci you know sort of high tech, but at the same time they're not as far as they ever really got. It, the the leagues of VOTEN are actually going to be um more up-to-date with how they have been at their peak, and whether they're still at their peak is kind of hard to say at the moment.
0: Yeah. A little early to tell. I said it's a lot of this narrative description. We've only seen one model, and we get the idea what that looks like. So I've been doing a little research, trying to go through all my old notes from the old, what used to be the squats. And um, interesting, like, unfortunately, they're mostly noted they're more popular in Epic than they were in 40K. So I don't know if they'll be scaling down some of their Super Heavies to fit the 40K game. But they used to have these things, uh, basically, they look kind of like um, the Dune Crawler from Star Wars, doing what the, the Jawa used to drive around in. Uh, okay. They had big things with that with a giant cannon mounted on the front and the hard part was it, you know, it was only front firing and you had to line up your shot, but when you lined up your shot you could easily take out uh, super heavies with it, so it would be pretty heavy shooting. They tend to be slow and they made up for it with all their uh, bike squadrons. They had all these like uh, bikers you know, similar to Ravenwing and they also had a bunch of flyers as well, the Overlord uh, airships and uh, these gyrocopter looking things so, I'm curious to see if they completely redo those to make it look to this new aesthetic or if they just kind of bring them back. Because the old wars definitely looked like, the old squats, I should say, definitely looked like fantasy squats with rifles. You know, so, that these guys look very different. Now, the other thing I noticed in my research, too, which I found a very kind of a throwaway line, but apparently, um, there's still room for Demiurge that the Leagues of Otan and Demiurge are not the same thing. They make a point to say that they are different. So I'm like, interesting. So we could still see the Demiurge coming out for the Tau as an additional auxiliary force down the down the road. I missed that. Yeah, it was, it was buried deep in another, and apparently it was um, I forgot where, it, where it was almost a Bell of Vos Souls article, but I'm trying to remember where they cited the source. And I just kind of went, huh,
1: okay. Well, they did do another article today about kind of talking about the, what they call the saga of the squats. So I wonder if it was in that. It probably was. Cause that's why I saw it today. So, um,
0: let me see if I can pull that up and that way I can quote it. But, um, but yeah, I'm kinda of curious of how they will work, because I also know I mean trying to scale it back down to 40k size, how that army would function. Uh they gonna be slow and super durable, and um you know you you say okay? They got all their extra weapons, so I'm kinda like, um you know what what does that look like? <laughs> And keep in mind also there were two squats released with uh, Necromunda, which I forgot about. So
1: Oh yeah, I forgot about those guys.
0: Yeah, so did I. I was like, oh yeah, And hmm. look a lot they also look very different compared to it now to the guy that's shown here. And I also forgot the squats had a, like a Terminator. It was like this in these exosuits. They looked really cool. Very similar to Demantic, mantic eventually copied when they uh, created their, I think their Hearth Masters. I forgot what they were called. They had some crazy uh, space dwarf army as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I remember. Yeah, back in the day when the PlayStation played Epic, squats were like you always took a detachment, at least one attachment just so you can get your heavy shooting in. So now I kind of want to look at the go back to um, Age of Sigmar and uh, take a look at the card on Overlords and get an idea of what's, what's their thinking and how they operate because Sigmar and 40k's rules and stats are pretty close these days. So, Especially if they come back with all kinds That's of crazy airships.
1: There. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be sure. When it came to the Overlords, they were reminiscent of 40K enough to where some, I've heard some people joke that, you know, the, um, what is it, the peanut butter and chocolate joke from from the old commercial? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, saying, get get your 40K out of my Age of Sigmar. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of thing. And, you know, actually, um, there was another thing that they, uh, Kind of previewed a little bit, but this was yesterday. It has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the Imperium, but it does have a bit to do with Chaos. What? So, what they did is they previewed a little bit about the uh, New Knights, specifically. There's those two small ones that are coming in the the, ar- the Chaos Knight's army set, coming, you know, trademarked soon. Um, these are the, of course, the, the war, the new war dogs. So we saw the very close, com- uh, close combat oriented carnivore, but that's not the only option we're going to get to see. And by the sounds of it, it's unlike the armagers we've got currently for, um, the Imperial. It's not going to be one box for shooting and one box for close combat. It's going to be one box for either option. So we've got a new one called the Stalker, and instead of close combat weapons, we've got shooting we- weapons. These include the Avenger Chain Cannon, which looks like a small version of the Avenger for the um the regular size knights, the the, the Questoris. I forget what the Chaos version is called. Um, I can't remember either. That. They 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 outright say that it's uh, 12 shots. Ouch. There's also a the way they call it is a tank-melting demon breath spear. So I wonder if that's some sort of plasma-style gun. Um, or oh, with the flavor, or, oh, too. excuse me. So let's, let's, Yeah. The Stalker is one of each. Um, it has one close combat, one Shooting, and then the brigand is the one that's too too ranged. So, and that one also you know, these also include. You can choose to have a carapace-mounted havoc launcher along along with the previous options of the heavy stubber or the multi gun. And you know, the more you look at it, the more you see. These are not just armor gurus with a new sprue they've got they've got different feet different heads very different uh carapace on the top and they also pointed out that for the new large knight kit which is the abominant that it 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 still has the capability to make the desecrator or the rampager so what this is is this is a Kind of a revamp of that kit to allow for that n- new option, kind of like what we saw with the Imperial Knights a while back, where they went from just the two options and then they expanded upon it.
0: It's pretty cool too that like how they're incorporating a lot of the chaos um, look of the weapons, like the bigger guns look like bigger versions of what you see on the Forge Fiend and stuff like that. So.
1: Well, another thing I had to laugh about is on one of the Facebook groups I'm in, I cannot for the life of me remember which one. Uh, there were pictures from like an old, like I don't think it was a White Dwarf article, but I think it was something along those lines. Where it was like old rules, but well, not nece- not not from a codex, and it talks about like night night upgrade options. And you see all these things, and it's like, well, that's on the Chaos Knights. That's on the new Chaos Knight. That's on the new Chaos Knight. Huh. So they're 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 really dipping into the old resources to revamp this line and make it unique. And we I mean we we've been seeing that with a lot of the models in general. So What if those That's kind those of citadel to journal? Could be
0: citadel journal. Yeah, they used to always have all kinds of crazy alternate rules in there.
1: I can see this being one of it the boxes that goes out tough. quick.
0: Yeah, me too. Now it definitely looks really strong. Um, it's exciting, I think. By, by the way, I'm not 100% sure how it's going to play competitively until I see a few more rules. But um, it definitely looks exciting. Let's put it this way. Once one thing goes, I like the idea that there's now finally a true Chaos War Dog as opposed to just a Imperial <laughs> War Dog with, you know, Menacing paint job. So I was like, that's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And of course, we would not be remiss with, uh, of course, there was another or more previews for the Tyranid Codex. Uh, more keeps dripping out, this time dealing with uh, their version of certain chapter tactics. But that was not the big news. No, no, no. We had another uh, Meta Watch uh, (laughs) article and um, it wasn't until the, about the bottom end that we got a little bit of an announcement that we didn't know exactly when was going to happen.
1: <laughs> Gee, I wonder what that could be about. Yes. Yeah, so
0: they admitted <laughs> that uh, next week, so by the time you hear this episode, our uh, next episode, excuse me, we'll be talking about the new Balanced Data Slate. That's right. Balanced Data Slate is due to come out next week, and they firmly are... I mean, no bones about it in the article that Harlequins are deep in their crosshairs and recognize that they perhaps were uh, a bit too strong. (laughs) (laughs) So the question I got for you, Ray, is uh, what do you think they're going to do?
1: Well, I mean, I think the, the elephant in the room at this point is Harlequins. So if I had to venture a guess, I'd say one of the things they might address is kind of how I've seen a few pictures of people using the multitude of Void Weavers where they're practically on top of each other. (laughs) I could see them mentioning something about that. (laughs) Uh, And I could see them doing what they did with the Orcs in some fashion where they limit how many you can take. I don't think they'll limit it quite as hard, uh, mostly because with the orc vehicles you had what three, four different options, whereas you only have one here. So I think what they might do is they might at least start by reducing the amount you can take to I don't know maybe two in a squad, in a in a vehicle squadron. So effectively reducing the amount of Void Reapers by a third.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting effect, because originally it was like, I'll just get rid of the squadron rule, but I think your idea has a lot more merit in that um, a lot of players are taking them as part of a patrol to add to other uh, elements of their army, and by limiting the squadron, you have to use up more slots to get this, to max out the number. And in a patrol, you've only gotten two heavy support slots, so that may be a way of drastically reducing their numbers from 9 to something much lower In that case it would be. If you took a patrol, you'd be down to 4. If you took a battalion, you're still down to 6, but free up a little bit of space. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, as far as other armies go, I mean, I haven't honestly been following too hard on um, what kind of shenanigans that they've been pulling. So, I mean, to a point, I'd expect them to kind of, you know, go over the rules that they've either written ambigu- ambigu- ambiguously or just downright written in such a way where it, it doesn't work. Like I can't bring an exact example, but I seem to remember hearing some people saying that well, they had, there was a rule in one of the codexes where if you try to do it as written, you can't do it.
0: Which that doesn't narrow it down. I'm so curious which one that was. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, there a couple, yeah, there's a couple other questions still out there. So uh I mean, one, there's a ton of questions regarding Inari. Can can, yeah. can they run? Aesthetically, the way it's written, they uh, could never run with strands of fate. Is that intentional? Uh, depending on how you interpret it, you can even interpret that there's no way to be battle forged. I think that's a over simplification, but it's just a very confusing misunderstanding of the keywords and what you know. This, what what is the final keyword because what happens is you, when you mix the Drukari and the Harlequins into the Inari, you don't have a pure Suryani faction. So therefore, you exclude yourself from strands of fate. So that's okay. the case. Um, another one is to Harlequin troops, where they omitted the core keyword on purpose you know or was that a mistake so those are some of the more recent ones related to it Eldari. there's also talk of maybe um custodes i guess there were some point changes in a previous codex restored them back to their original values um that maybe they swung too hard the other direction don't know you know there's just a couple things still out there and um i'm curious to see what they come out with and um but uh, nice to see it in official form it's nice to see that they're fixing it and now that they don't have to rely on some sort of home-brewed house rule thing
1: (laughs) yeah are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them if either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. So,
0: and then other craziness. So, that's all the stuff there. Getting to our, our primary objective today, we always bring some tournament action. It's about absolute craziness. Ray went to a tournament. Yeah. How did this happen? <laughs>
1: well, actually, the story, and that's kind of funny in and of itself. Um, basically, I think it was about 8.45 or 8.50, I was following along the, the Smite Club thread on Facebook Messenger and caught wind that there might could be an opening for the tournament that was being held out in Avondale. At Tabletop Wargamer and I realized I had an open Saturday, so I quickly grabbed an army I had kind of been working on an army for. I uh, had the list already made with uh, well, two actual exceptions, <laughs> uh, and I'll get I can get to that in a second, but. Packed that up, grabbed everything I needed and quickly drove to Avondale. Made it just in time when the doors opened. Despite the fact that I was down to about the last half gallon of, my, uh, of gas in my tank because okay. I wasn't paying enough attention to my gas gauge. <laughs> Oops. But, I, yeah. I made it. I was able to sign up and get started because it's They've only got five tables, so it, you're talking roughly a ten-man tournament. Pretty easy to get filled up quick. So, I took a Black Templar's army. It's not an army I had at any point originally intended to ever collect. But I had already had a bit of a Space Marines army. And at the main game shop I go to, Imperial Outpost, uh they had some some of the boxes for a discount that I, I couldn't pass up. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing Black Templars now. <laughs> and so I took a belt army. Not painted, but that was okay. It was just an RTT, and they like kind of had the... Decision of, hey, don't worry about it. Everybody's going to get to 10 points regardless of whether it's painted or not. Just come, play, have a good time. So, my army was a marshal with the... It's basically a combi flamer and a uh, mastercrafted power axe. I had a primaris chaplain... I had the Emperor's Champion, two 5-man Assault Intercessor squads, one with a Power Fist, the other with a a, uh, Thunder Hammer, two Primaris Crusader squads, 10-man squads. I gave one of the Crusader squads the Fist of Balthus, which is a Power Fist that does not have the minus one to hit. It's handy. I then... Yeah, it is. And any any model can be given that. It doesn't have to be a character. I had a, a minimum size squad of guard Vets, a Primaris Apothecary, a Redemptor Dread. I gave him the um, Heavy Flamer and the Heavy Onslaught Gatling Cannon. Yeah. <clears throat> and I then took a Heavy Hellblaster Squad 5-man... And two Gladiator Reapers. Now, the two things I forgot about were one, to pick a litany to give my chaplain. And two, I got there and had a few minutes to figure realize I didn't pick out a warlord trait. Whoops. <laughs> Luckily I was able to at least remember the warlord trait before the tournament started and uh like so was at least able to add that to the list without an issue. Um, so going in, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I'd heard plenty of stuff about Tau, Harlequins, basically Xenos. Unfortunately, I did not play against a single Xenos army that day. No.
0: Yeah, your path to uh, victory was uh, very uh, unique for this meta. Strictly so uh, round very... one, yep, round one, you end up against Astromilitarum, which I'm like, I didn't know that was still on the table these days. And uh, yeah. so,
1: so... I... go ahead.
0: No, sorry about that. You uh, you were you're pretty close um, on primaries. Both of you, it really came down to secondaries, and one thing that's pretty. Telling here, so he has four the Emperor. He ended up scoring nine points on that. Gage on all fronts. Looks like he railed the box of man, because he only got four points on that. Raise banners, so he got seven points. Compared to you, uh, what you end up doing, Gage on all fronts, you also got two points, so it looks like both guys kind of got forced back a little bit. You did great on Oath of Moment, getting 11 points, but the the one I, we talked about briefly before the show. Bring it down, he figured, it's going to be a ton of tanks in an Imperial Guard Army. You got zero points, so what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, I could start off by saying if you paid attention to my list, it was very melee-oriented. In fact, the only long-range fire I had was the Reapers, which are more of an anti-infantry, and the Hellblasters, which are at least anti-vehicle. But that's just one squad of five. Now his list included if I'm Serves five Lehman Russes, two of which were tank commanders, if memory Serves. And now Lehman Russes in the past were pretty hard to to do anything against. They're they're still a little tough now. So, I mean, the Lehman Russes are Toughness 8, and they have a 2-plus save. So, what he did is, for the most part, he kept them, his stuff back. He, had a, he still had a fair amount of infantry models that he had on the field, which he used to try to kind of block me from getting into his deployment zone area. Um, he was pretty much able to do so. I mean, there were there was a whole, you know, one turn where I was able to keep some models into that, you know, third uh, quarter of the table, so I could get some points for engaging all fronts, but outside of that, he's either shooting the models he he could see with his various (laughs) maneuvers, or he was using uh, there were two different vehicles, one I don't recall, it was a Forge rolled vehicle that did not require a line of sight. And the other one, well, two actually, Manticores. So, yeah, that's a four, so four tanks with lots of firepower that didn't require a line of sight at all. So, he started by focusing on the Hellblasters because they're the thing that could actually do the most against him. After that, he focused on the Reapers, and he managed to take out one fairly quickly, and the other one he still managed to take out about a turn or two later. So I was, for the most part, stuck on my half of the board. Um, And anything that would get close, he'd just kind of throw in another unit of infantry that he'd have tucked away behind some terrain. And As a quick aside to point out, yeah, it was player-place terrain. Um, Oath Moment worked really well. I remember hearing a lot of people talk about how it's very easy for a Space Marine player to get a, a decent amount of points with Oath Moment. So I pretty much right away figured, okay, that's my best bet there. Right. Um, but yeah, and unfortunately, I was never able to get anything to connect to a vehicle. To get any of the bring it downs,
0: it sounds like they have limited tools to deal with it. And um, but overall, uh, despite the loss, sixty six to forty seven, still within nineteen points, and um, respectable showing. Especially, it's probably one of those. It's almost that I always tell people that people always hyper prepare for the common meta, but then you run into a list that's off meta. You're like, what do I do? And yeah. um, I kind of forgot Lee Rust is out of 2-plus safe. That was a balanced data slate update from previously. So make him a little mm-hmm. more resilient.
1: And it worked.
0: <laughs> so your second game, the first thing that leaps off the page is, looks like you only got to round three. So was this a bit of a slow play issue with your opponent, or what was going on here?
1: Um, I'd have to say it was a little... It... <laughs> A little bit on both ends to be completely honest we're both we both were very infantry focused uh, in fact uh so I had three vehicles you know two tanks and a dread he had three vehicles as well he had a stormhawk intercessor, a redemptor dread and an an incursor So, outside of that, he had a whole lot of. Oh, I know, I took it back. He had one of the. He had one of the. He had the land speeder. It's got the Delta gun.
0: Oh. So, he had that too.
1: Okay. So, he played defensive pretty much the whole time. It wasn't until I got into the center that things really started happening. And it basically became a slugfest between. Uh, what was it? He had a squad of infiltrators. He had basically placed a terrain piece that was where he could hide s- uh, some infiltrators inside and just be in range to hold them. one of the objectives. And it was basically right smack in the middle. So, I had to basically pull them out and it just became a slugfest. By the time we got to Turn three, at the top of turn three, we both had at least one unit in. His, his was infiltrators. Mine was um. Well, initially it was the emperor's champion, and then I had crusaders in there too. And we also both had a apothecary in there. Mine was my primary apothecary. His was a uh, a firstborn apothecary, but he 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 had made his the chief apothecary, which is something I did not do. <laughs> And I just kinda lengthened everything because we both were rolling, you know. Hey, we got a basically a six plus feel no pain on top of the bring our, bring a guy back. Um
0: that was a super so close game, even with uh three rounds. Um a one point loss, which is crazy. Um so forty one to forty I was even looking at where the breakdown was. You guys actually tied on primary, came down to a secondary point. So,
1: Yeah, and it was kind of one of those things, too, where we were basically fighting over that middle obje- control of that middle objective. That's really what it came down to.
0: Yeah, it's similar so, to my last game. You'd start to get better at uh, recognizing if I can't score, prevent my opponent from scoring. So, you, overall, I've been also seeing scores dropping. And we'll talk about that when we get to the other tournaments. Uh, overall scores are definitely seem to be scoring a little bit lower. So your third game looks like you're up against uh, I'm not sure who you're playing here. Dark Angels.
1: Dark. Yeah, Dark Angels. This was not uh, Deathwing Army. It did have a squad of Deathwing Knights in it and a Deathwing Champion in it. It also had a Dark Shroud in it and Oh, shoot, what's the name of it? It's the Ravenwing equivalent of a lieutenant.
0: Oh, Interrogator?
1: No. no, not Interrogator. I'm going to have to look it up now. Not that one. Talonmaster?
0: I think that's the one in the Lancepeeder.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that one, would, the Talonmaster, because it's, yeah, it's basically a, a, a lieutenant. Yeah. yeah. I hate that thing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> So, the mission was Tide of Conviction. And the objective placement basically allowed him to put everything into this tiny ball, roughly like 12 inches across, uh, in diameter. And so he had everything in there. He had um, uh, Belial, Belial, If I remember right, it was either that or Azrael. I can't remember which one. Uh, The Talon Master. So he's given things plus one to hit. He's given a minus one for me to hit him. It's just this big blob of, we're not going to do anything. In fact, honestly, he, for the most part, never moved a model forward except to get into range to shoot. Which was almost never. (laughs) Here I am. I've got to get up close. So the best I could do is I focused everything I could on taking out that the Dark Shroud. You know, it took almost all my long-range firepower, but I was able to. So, so cool. I could actually start shooting things. Well, okay, what else do I got to do? I got to try to take out... He had two squads of Hellblasters. Got to try to take <laughs> some of those out. He's also got an Apothecary in there, so I've got to try to deal with that. It It was just that, like... I'm trying to take, you know, to break a boulder with a toothpick, kind of a thing. In the meantime, he's basically sitting there holding two objectives, no issue. I'm also holding two objectives. For the most part, you know, no issue. Mm -hmm. So, we basically both end up tying on primary. And it all comes down to secondaries again, and... I thought going for assassination would work because he had a fair amount of assassination points I could get, but it all came down to I never was able to get through enough stuff to get to the characters.
0: Uh, About that,
1: yeah, I tried engaging all fronts again. Now I was able to get more points this time than in the round one because again he wasn't moving. But it got down to being able to keep my guys up there for long enough. And he ha- with me be- not being able to really take out a lot of his guys, he was able to eventually just whittle my forces down. So I only got that around t- turn two and three. Um, so, and with right. what he took, he was basically able to max out a lot of his stuff.
0: That's right, so the three games under your belt. What would you change in the list?
1: I'm not entirely for sure. Um. Exactly what I'm going to change on my list. Uh, these are the only three games I've played with this list. Um. I've already done some looking at on how to change things. Um. One of which is after hearing a lot of people talk about it, I'm changing the Primaris Chaplain to one on a bike, and I'm going to give him an a relic, the the that bone relic.
0: I know what you're talking about. No. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um one unit I forgot to mention that I had as I had a five man squad of uh, sword brethren. I actually took them out of the list. And I also took I'm also looking at taking out the second Gladiator uh Reaper. Um as far as what I'm looking at putting in I'm looking at adding in another Blade Guard. To make the veteran squad a four-man squad instead of a three-man squad. And I'm also looking at having a storm speeder Hammer Strike. Which, yes, it's another one of those vehicles that you don't really see a lot of. But it has more movability at 16 inches while it still has at least half of its wounds. And it's also got a 24-inch uh, melta weapon which is heavy three, so that there. can be something to take. Yeah, it 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 has the ability for me to take things out a little bit better. I think it might be the wrong course of action with me having that vehicle in. I can't say for sure until I get some ga- games under my belt. But I've also heard people suggest that I might want to consider um, the incursor. Now, of course, I don't actually have any incursors. But if I decide to take out both the Gladiator Reapers, then I could just take the turret off the top because I left them renew- uh, removable, and I sh- I don't see why you wouldn't them as as those, because it's the same base body. But- well, it sounds
0: like it's it's a matter of just getting some practice with the list, but you might be on your way.
1: Yeah, I definitely think I need a little bit more work when it comes to picking out the right secondaries. Um Maybe a little bit of work on terrain placement. I do think that part of my problem in the first game might have been how I situated the terrain on my side. That being said, every game, you know, the the um the Black Templars have the vows and the passions that they choose from. Mm-hmm. Basically, every game, I looked at the board and said, "Well, I want the I want the five plus Enborne." And but I, I haven't think that seen... really helped me.
0: Yeah, because I have not seen the competitive Black Templars that doesn't take it.
1: Well, the thing is, is you don't have to pick that until just before you start the game. So you don't that's not something you have to stick with the whole um uh, the whole tournament. You can do you can select that game to game because of when you're at the timing of which you're supposed to select it. That being said, you know, every single game I play, I'm like, well okay, I want the I want the five plus N and the what amounts to a mini transhuman. It's just instead of four pluses, it's three pluses, and in return, I don't get the benefits of cover. Well, especially in my first game, they they had things that basically said, "I don't care about line of sight." Well, then why would I care about cover? Second game, I'm basically getting into close combat anyway. No point in cover. Third game. By that point, I didn't see cover as a as a point to have anyway. So it's I'm running in. I'd rather have that five plus involved. So that also, I think I need to better acquaint myself with the stratagems that are available to me. Eric, are you still there?
0: Sorry, I mute on. I didn't realize it. Sorry about that. <laughs> My apologies. (laughs) We'll get that out. So, my apologies. Yep. So, um, you said it takes a little practice. And uh, the newer missions are also still... I'm still... I'm looking at your games, and I'm looking at some of the other games as well. This one, I appreciate you sharing the scorecards. could play along. A lot of the tournaments, a lot of players don't send their scorecards in. I've been preaching maybe getting more points for the higher scoring stuff. So for example, hold one would only be worth two points. Then hold two would be worth like four points. And then six points, say, for holding more. I'm not sure if that's the right thing to do, because it seems like most games you you play for um, one big turn, and then kind of play even, and then hold on to the lead. And um, so now that big turn just gets bigger and becomes unsurmountable. So I'm not sure. You know, I think that has a bigger effect on how the I still believe mission mission design has the biggest effect on them on the meta. And being able to fix that. I don't think you can do that with a simple points increase or decrease. So I'm not really sure how to fix it yet. And uh, so I'll keep working at it. But in the meantime, yeah, learning the missions so of definitely learning point denial is is a very effective strategy. And Basically if my opponent touches an objective that that's target number one, and uh being able to kill that is a big thing and um I think initially when we first read the packet, we saw some of those action based primaries but um with the exception of the one with all the explosives, I don't think it's something you have to really plan around. It's great if you have ash monkeys already to do your secondaries that you do need still, but uh, there's only, only about three or four of those action primaries, so just kind of do what you always do.
1: Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your uh, armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament you can just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out they're sturdy the boxes help protect your models and if you when you order they come fast the order is right and for a better price than the other guy so go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the Exterminous Podcast.
0: All right. I want to see some tournament action from a little further away.
1: Well, let's take a look. Let's take a look. All right. So
0: let's head to sunny Florida because it's just not sunny enough here in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, for if we're going to a tournament this weekend here in Arizona, Plan accordingly. It's going to be 96 degrees, which I believe is 43 degrees Celsius for uh, all our European listeners. And it's not even May. What the heck? (laughs) Anyway, Grand Onslaught 3. I'm afraid. Do you have the top five there, Andy?
1: Well, we've got what uh, this uh, is saying. The BCP website is saying is a top five. Okay. Alright, so we got... Ariel Cortez in fifth place with Farsight Enclave. Justin Moore in fourth with Adeptus Sororitas. Brian Malpas with Chaos in third. Second, Jordan Sorkovich with Adeptus Custodes. And then in first place, Robert Hawkins playing Harlequins.
0: Yep. Nope. So more Harlequin Domination, but not quite as bad as the entire top five. Actually got a pretty good spread here with uh, Tau Sisters, a Chaos Soup making third place. What's that all about? And Stodes. So let's take a quick look at Brian's list here. How does that, you know, which one is not like the others here? It's kind of crazy. So we start with and the Changecaster, Caster, a uh, full unit of 30 blood letters with all the trimmings, a unit of 20 horrors, a unit of 20... S-28 uh, Plaguebearers and another unit of 27 plague Plaguebearers. So right off the bat, ton- huge bricks of opsec. And fast attacks locked uh, two units of five furies, and then in the auxiliary support detachment uh, he brings in uh, interesting another sorcerer. And uh, with no Chaos Mark, he's got Shrouded Step and Wreathe in Shades. I have to look that up. I'm pretty sure that's a cover save bonus. Hmm. I'm trying to think why he goes with so much trouble to bring in an extra sorcerer. It's wild. Okay. Uh,
1: my first guess would just be for psychic secondaries.
0: I guess. And that would make sense, because I know with the, with the new Aldari book, you can put the warlocks in the elite slot. It makes
1: it a lot easier to
0: go after some of those psychic secondaries.
1: Yeah. Either that or just for the ability to deny
0: Yeah, so one of the reasons why we want to bring up this tournament is just reading off the top five. You're like, man, I don't recognize a lot of those names. goes just a few spots south of the top five. You might recognize Mark Perry from Art of War with his freebooters list coming in sixth place. And the guy who's been number one in the ITC for the uh, previous week, Quentin Johnson, coming in ninth place with the Soriani. And uh, But also the spread also continues. There's so some Black Templars there at 11th place. Quite a few people taking their, their chances with Harlequins and Asuriani and finding themselves getting tripped up once or twice during their path. So a lot of threes and twos and fours, four and ones. So those of you who languish like I do in mid-table obscurity, this is still an army you still need to face. Um, so be aware that's not just a top-table problem. Yeah, looking at the other there's the Gene Stealer cult in there, Knights Renegades, pre codex. That's pretty neat to see. Some tournament uh, Tyranid players are mixed in there as well, also pre codex. We're going to go over to Jolly Old England, where I don't think it's going to be 96 degrees there this weekend. But um, this time we're going to the Blackheart 40K GT. Ray, what does our top five look like there?
1: All right, so top five Blackheart. Fifth place, Dan Richards with Chaos Demons. Fourth place, Liam Calibout with Harlequins. Third, Inez Wilson with Forces of the Hive Mind. Second, Zachary Becker with Adeptus Custodes. And in first, Mike Porter playing Harlequins.
0: Yeah, so this is our tournament complete opposite from the other one, It's basically who's who of top players in the uh, general UK scene. Mike Porter is a previous uh, ITC number one. Uh, Zach Becker, may not, that name may sound familiar, may not recognize him as a player. He's actually the tournament organizer of the London GT. And uh, Ennis Wilson, who's not only on a popular podcast, but also is one of the top players from Team Scotland, apparently is not fond of my ITC, my uh, rulings as a judge but okay he apparently called us out on how i ruled things at uh our previous tournament i was like oh okay and uh so a very interesting group and then he also just in sixth place jc barn uh from vanguard tactics uh coming in with his tau sept army uh making the way through but let's take a look at what this quick look at, so what is this harlequin menace let's see if he actually is running it's right off the bat Yep, nine Void Reavers, so along with one, two, three, four, five Star Weavers. So just a ton of transports with a ton of Murder Clowns. Uh, beyond that, there isn't a whole lot of variation from what we've seen. Uh Troop Master and Shadowmaster. And he is running um, uh, Fortress of Light. So this is the one that's hard to hit uh, as you get further away. All right, and let's, let's take a look at his Forces of the Hive Mind. So let's see, we're not seeing a lot of these these days. I'm curious to see if it's still needed after the Tyranid Codex drops. Let's take a look. He starts with a Leviathan Patrol, uh, featuring a Northrop, two units of uh, three Tyranid Warriors, three units of three uh, Sky Slash, excuse me, two units of three uh, Sky Slasher Swarms, and two units of six Hive Guard. And, yep, all with uh, all the trimmings of with Impaler cannons. Great! And he gave one of a uh, Prodigy of the Hive and Enhanced Resistance. The other one has Adaptive Physiology and Enhanced Resistance as well. Then on the Gene Stealer Cult side of things, he's got a Patriarch, a unit of 10 hybrids, two units of 5 Acolyte hybrids, two units of 10 pure Strain Gene Stealers, a Kelomorph, two units of 4 adelin Jackals, and two Goliath Trucks. So looking at all that, he's got uh, all the shooting, all the ability to hold down objectives, and then enough of the um, the pure strains are going to run out there and cripple. You know, just be a great Alpha Strike unit, get things going, and then there were everything else is action monkeys and using those blips to keep your opponent at bay. So, wild crazy stuff. And then Dan Richards coming in 5th place with Chaos Demons. Seems to be a trend this week. Maybe and uh, interesting enough, yeah, Disciples of Bellicor once again, Bellicor and two change casters this time, uh, two large blocks of demon letters, 25 strong, one unit of 30 horrors, another big block of 24 plate bears, then a small block of 10 black bears, followed by another block of 24 black bears. So, and then furies uh, on the two units of furies to be your action monkeys, all units of six, so they don't fail their uh, R&D secondaries in the until they take damage, so it's pretty much the same thing over and over again when it comes to chaos demons. So the same list, but uh, very interesting as we, um, you know, wait with bated breath for next week when we look at that uh, balanced stage slate and see what happens and changing up the meta.
1: Yeah, I'm curious to see what we uh, end up getting with that. But well, these are. Here we, it's actually kind of interesting list, you know, seeing Chaos Demons in. But yeah, we'll, we might be seeing Harlequins at first for a little bit longer. <laughs> All depending.
0: Yeah, I don't think they're going fully away. Uh, I don't think they're going to get that bad. And, and generally, what we've seen is, you know, small adjustments and followed by multiple small adjustments uh, until they get it right. Sometimes they get it right first time sometimes it's takes a couple but anyway take a looking at your itc's top 10 uh lots of changes from this week a lot of these medium tournaments happening around the block and uh, so we're seeing some newer faces in the top 10 here and some of them we even talked about tonight uh 10th place jack west uh coming in at 967 points mike porter who we just talked about he's the only oh, i take the back he's one of two players in the top ten, who to have only got five events under his belt, uh, comes in ninth place with 979 points. Sean Rice in eighth. Jay Seaborn from Vanguard Tactics, who we just mentioned on, uh, earlier, in seventh place. Innis Wilson, also we just mentioned, in sixth place. Jamie Balcom, uh, fifth place. Joseph Gillespie in fourth. Matt Robertson in third. Quinton Johnson, who we just talked about in Florida. Despite his rough outing there, actually rough outing, I'd be happy to go 4-1, <laughs> um, coming in second. And then Ryan Snyder with Custodes is able to leapfrog into the number one spot. The same catbird position he was in before, where in the first 90 days of the season was able to get into the top top five. And uh, we'll see if he'll be able to hold on to it as the season progresses. So kind of interesting to see how that moves along. Surprise, surprise with the number of names that we just mentioned there. The top teams are well re- represented. Uh, fifth place, Legion in fifth place with 1,964 points. Dice Down in fourth place, Vanguard Tactics, surprise, surprise. Cresting over 2,000 points in the third place, Glasshammer. Uh, in second, in Art of War, holding a 33-point lead over Glasshammer for first place. All five teams have at least 10 events under their belt. So so there we go that is your IDC top 10 bound to shift I thought we'd see a lot more movement after Adepticon but like you said we didn't see as many of the, the perennials out there so I'd be curious to see after the data slate is that the time that they uh, decide to emerge and make a mark onto the season so right now all I can say is encourage you to if you can do so safely get out there and play because it seems to be anybody's season right now Ray, any parting thoughts before we close out the show?
1: Uh, just be sure to be able to get your games in. Uh, good luck to anybody playing in tournaments in the next week.
0: Absolutely. I'll see you guys soon out there. In the meantime, my name's Eric. I'm Raymond. And thank you for listening to the Exterminatus Podcast.